Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to uh, our episode of News You Can Use, a Pennsylvania stand-up podcast about people, power, and politics. I am not your host, Pele Ergang Layden. Pele is on his honeymoon, and we wish him and his new wife all the happiness in the world. I am Ashley Strange. I use they, he pronouns. I'm the director of narrative and communications at Pennsylvania Stands Up. And today we are joined by a special guest, Jess Royer, uh, who is Burke Stands Up endorsed candidate for Berks County Commissioner. Jess, welcome to the podcast. Good, uh, good afternoon. Thanks. Good to be here. Now, could you introduce yourself with your name, your pronouns, and where you're joining us from today? Yeah, Jess Royer. I go by he, him. I'm in Reading, Pennsylvania. I'm on my lunch break. I work at Reading Public Library, and I'm sitting in my car right now. I often like to eat outside, but since the world is on fire right now, I'm instead running the air through the air conditioner of my electric vehicle, so not creating any extra emissions right now, but um, having a little bit of filtration, so I'm not breathing in the haze, which has just settled over the entire Northeast region. And this haze, now, I was born and raised in Fairbanks, Alaska. We have a fire season. Every single summer, we get Alaskan wildfires, Canadian wildfires, the the wind blows uh, east to west, and, you know, and we get we get haze like this all the time. But this is, this really isn't normal. Like, is it, what what's the air quality like where you are right now? It's really bad. I don't watch the numbers as closely as others because I am lucky to have a pretty robust respiratory system. Um, I know a lot of a lot of my friends have been posting numbers. I think they were in the 300s on the index that um, was really hitting last night was really high. Um, we my my wife and I did grad school in Vancouver, and I remember this one instance where everybody was posting pictures online of this gorgeous sunset. And I, being from Pennsylvania, I, I didn't necessarily get at first the connection between all of the fires that were happening um, north of us in the province of British Columbia and the haze until somebody else mentioned, yeah, it's a shame with, we've got this really beautiful sunsets because of the, the forest fires. I was, oh yeah. Okay. That makes sense now because around here, that's, this is not common. And it, it's, it's very, and especially coming down from the North, you know, our, our weather normally comes from the, from the North uh, Southwest. So for it to be this impactful for this area, for forest fires so far away, my kids are, I have one kid who really does not care for extreme weather. And I told her, you know, buckle up because that's what your lifetime is going to see. But she is really concerned about the fire. And I said, the fire is not a risk to us. You know, we're not near the fire. The fire is hundreds of miles away. Um, but we're dealing with the, the impact of it here. And that's, there's a metaphor there. I mean, uh, especially with air quality. That's one of the things that I've said in my um, political life and personal life. You know, we're driving, we're driving cars. That air quality is the air that everybody in the region breathes. So even though the forest fires are nowhere near us here in Reading, Pennsylvania, we're still dealing with the effects of it. Yeah, and it it really goes to show like a lot of the the globalization that is is becoming more front of mind for everyone because uh you know as we realized with covid like we all masked up inside and you know could breathe outside and now it's slightly reversed but we're still seeing that like it it makes the world kind of shrink for us in how you know uh very small things can affect can affect all of us. I saw a meme online that said Smokey the Bear must be fuming right now. Um, and as I used to be a firefighter, uh, a wildland firefighter in California. And so I, you know, part of what we did was, you know, prescribed burns. Um, and so it was so that the forest can regenerate so that we can clear out dead brush. Um, and there's, there's something to this. There's more to that metaphor you were talking about, about how on, on a, a large scale, um, how, uh, 
something as as innocuous as a fire thousands of miles away can continue to affect us. But um, there's also, uh, you know, how small things that we do, you know, when when you have a, a brush fire in your backyard, you know, how does it affect your neighbors? Um, you know, how does, uh, you know, if you're vaping in public, like, how does that affect people on a on a smaller scale? And really just like uh, uh, it it's highlighting again, like the wildfires are not the the cause of a lot of these problems, but there are root problems. Um, there are people with, uh, you know, people like like one of your kids that has a. Uh, uh, that has uh, just like a fear of of extreme weather. There are people with respiratory issues. Um, there are people who already you know can't see well uh, to to get around, and and now the haze is not helping. There's there's so many things that are exacerbated by this, and so it's it's kind of on uh, it's 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 on us as individuals, but it's also on you know, our government to say, like, we are living in an increasingly globalized world. How are we going to make sure that we're keeping everyone safe from yeah. from all this stuff? Right. Yeah. And make some hard decisions. I mean, a lot of governments will say, oh, that's not us. We don't have anything to do with that. That's a different level of government. That's a different governmental entity. But I don't know how many times I've said this, that every single level of government has a role to play, especially in the fight against climate change. But no matter the issue, every every elected official has a role to play. And sometimes it's getting on a soapbox, using your bully pulpit, but you've got to actually speak up about things and be creative and find solutions. So one of the things that I've been talking about for years now in Berks County, which I am uh, honored to hear other local candidates and, and elected officials in Berks County have started talking about electric vehicles on municipal fleets because the air quality, we're driving around dozens of vehicles in a day for some of these governmental entities, Berks County especially. And um, yeah, there's not every single vehicle that we would want to purchase yet is available in an electric model, but all of the light duty cars and trucks that we have needs for um, and, and plug in hybrids. If we, if we need to, there's so many vehicles that could be producing far less emissions. And um, that's something that local governments can do and make a real impact in the world. And, you know, other things like save money as well, you know, like it makes sense. It's, it, it, there's a lot of reasons to do some of these things, but um, it, it does kind of go to the, the connectivity of different levels of government and how every single from townships, where I'm supervisor right now in Spring Township, up to counties, states, there are lots of ways that different governments can actually play a role in solving problems. And uh, I've I've always said that it's uh, you know somebody's like said to me once what what does a mayor have to do with with climate change like what what does it matter if a mayor says that he believes in climate change well if a mayor says that they believe in climate change then that means that they know that our summers are going to get hotter and so they're going to make sure that resources exist in our communities for for more pools more cooling stations and that the winters are going to get colder so there are going to be more warming stations uh there's going to be uh they're going to prepare for um you know, heavier snowfall or, or a lighter snowfall. Uh, it, like it, it really does come down to to where you live in your neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit more. So you are currently a spring township supervisor. You were already elected. Was that the first time you ran for office? No, I ran for county commissioner in 2019. And um, I'll get to the, to the motivating factor for that in a minute, because I've got this whole like chain of, of events here. But um I ran for county commissioner in 2019 and kind of got a taste and was encouraged by a lot of people in the area. Well, you know, you're in Spring Township. Spring Township is the largest municipality in Berks County outside the city of Reading. 
and um, was a really good way to sort of cut my teeth because there was always the intent to run for county commissioner again. So two years ago, I ran for Spring Township Supervisor, um, had a lot of support. Some of the same groups that were supporting my 2023 campaign were also available in the 2021 campaign for, for Spring Township Supervisor. And prior to that, before I ran for office at all, one of my first sort of like civic involvements was joining the zoning hearing board in my township. And that was a really rewarding experience. And I recommend that to anybody who has the slightest bit of interest in participating in their community, find a board or a commission in your local government, doesn't need to be elected. And, and some people are really put off by the whole uh, civic engagement thing because they think, oh, politics, I'm not, I'm not in politics. I don't like, I'm not a politician. I don't want, it doesn't need to be about politics at all, especially at the local level where we have a majority Republican board, myself and another Democrat are potentially, as far as we know, the only Democrats in Spring Township history. And uh, as, a, as a straight white male, I don't have a whole lot of firsts available to me. So to be, uh, to be the first elected supervisor uh, as a Democrat in Spring Township history, I'll take it. You know, that's what I got. But um, being on the zoning hearing board before that uh, is a really great way to be a part of the land use decision making process. And that's kind of a convoluted term for what are we doing in this township? Is, was, are we building pools and front yards? Are we installing warehouses? Are we allowing some business to just do whatever they want, run roughshod over the zoning ordinances? Um, but no, the zoning hearing board is a great way to sort of have a say in what goes on. Uh, for anybody who's environmentally minded, you get, look, you get to look at runoff issues. You get to look at how certain areas are zoned for certain types of buildings or certain uses. Um, and, and it's a really great uh, entry level position, if you will. And again, some people are put off because, well, they don't know anything about land use. Well, you know, if you care about the land, that's the first step. If you care about your community, that, that's, that's all it really takes. So we went from, go, I was on the zoning hearing board. That was an easy sell for my wife. She said, sure, you can do that. Then I ran for uh, county commissioner because there were some issues that needed to be talked about. And then kind of like worked my way up through from, from elected supervisor. Now that was a close election. Now we just had this past primary, which was um, a really validating result. Obviously we're, we're not there yet. We still have the general to go. But um, the, the issue that got me into running in 2019 was because the county was working on selling off our county-owned county nursing home. They were also talking about privatizing our prison, both of which are, are moral issues for me that we absolutely need to maintain county ownership and county management of those institutions. Um, and for me, I'm a union guy. I'm, a, I'm an executive board member in my local at the library where I'm technically a city of Reading employee. So I'm in AFSME 2763. I'm on the e-board there. And I said, you know, for, from a union perspective, we need to protect the union job at Berks time. And when we build a new prison, which we need in Berks County, our current prison is literally falling apart and we're housing people in there with a building which is leaking and, and, and the walls need to be. So we need a new building. It needs to be built with union labor. So I was kind of approaching that county commissioner run from a, a union perspective. My mother actually used to work for the Montgomery County nursing home and they sold that. They privatized that and you saw quality care go down. You saw staff morale go down. Um, the only people that really benefited from that were, was the county for one moment in time when they got an infusion of cash and the new owners of the nursing home, which gets to turn a profit now. So, you know, the people who live there, the people who work there, um, their lives got worse when it was sold out of the county ownership. Um, so I was running because I wanted to, to protect the county-owned nursing home, to protect the integrity of the jail, that we have county employees at both those facilities when we rebuild the jail it needs to be done by union employees. And then in 2019, we also got involved with the shutdown Berks effort. And that was a really great way to um, connect with like-minded people. And the shutdown Berks effort was around um, closing the detention center, the federal detention center that was in Berks County. 
the only one of its kind in the country that was owned by a county and um it is now closed the 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 county commissioners heard a lot from us saying this is immoral this needs to be closed um finally i said you know what we're done here we're done in berks county too much grief and so they they pulled the plug on that and, and we we counted that as a, as a win organizing works so that was sort of the point i mean in it yeah and it really does and like when you think about when you think about a lot of those uh those wins like the shutdown burks campaign went on for for years and years, there were people protesting oh, yeah. the the Burks uh, the Burks Family Detention Center because it was the only. It, correct me if I'm wrong. It was the only uh, one of two uh, detention centers, immigrant detention centers in the United States that uh, that incarcerated children um, as well. I thought, I thought it was three, but yes, it was very unique. Three. And the fact that it was run by a municipality was unique, and it was not you know I'm not usually a not in my backyard kind of guy. And this was one of those cases where it's like. Not in anybody's backyard. This is right. this needs to be shut down. Not just because we don't want it here in Burke. It's embarrassing that it's here in Burke, but it's more of an issue that it exists at all. Yeah, people would say, "Well, they're just going to open another one." Okay, we'll go there. We'll fight that when one happens too. So it, it, it was not like a, a NIMBY thing. It was something that just needs to be closed for reasons that are bigger than any one area. Right. And there's there's something to like being not just uh, being uh, someone who's who's angry about an issue and, and standing up for it, but also like a lot of the, the standing up has to be going to the commissioners. So having someone like you as a commissioner means that we have to beg for human rights that, that much less often. Yeah. Yeah. So now, you had said you had said that your mom was um, you said that your mom was a nurse. So what what turned uh, a mild mannered uh, Jess Royer, <laughs> uh, uh, city librarian uh, into um, into the, the Jess Royer that's running for county commissioner? She's actually a planner. She worked at the Montgomery County Nursing Home. She was an activities director and she coordinated all of the volunteer staff that they had. Really, the person who was trying to make sure the residents they were having a good time, and she actually did work on food prep as well. So it was sort of a a Jill of all trades, if you will. But she was not a nurse. Um, so much respect in the world for nurses. Don't wanna don't wanna miss through that. But she's a piano teacher, which is potentially even more mild than than nursing. So, um, uh, yeah, my mother's a piano teacher. My father is a retired pastor in the United Church of Christ. So I, I grew up in a, in a pretty comfortable existence, but an existence that was geared around. Uh, appreciation for for art and beauty but also like you know human rights and things and, and treating people like people so I remember learning about people first language as a child and um, it, it was just sort of second nature to me because we always heard uh, about treating people like people like it was just this basic thing and, and and for it to not happen elsewhere in the world is sort of mind-boggling to me like well, why do you care about some of these issues that you're so upset about when it's literally a human being acting like a human being like what's the big deal so, um, yeah, I, I became, I, I guess, a bit more, I, I don't want to say radicalized because Donald Trump got elected, but certainly motivated. Um, we had just moved. My wife was pregnant during that election cycle, and I'd volunteered in, in every presidential election up to that and a little bit in local politics, but not as much. But I remember falling asleep watching the election results on, on the night of 2016, if you will. And I woke up on the couch at about four o'clock in the morning when they finally called it. And, and I just felt like I had a newborn daughter. We had a two and a half year old daughter. And I felt like I let them down. Um, so we've since doubled our, our total number of kids because we're really just trying to take over the world through procreation. <laughs> and I, I, I want to show my kids, like, you need to fight for your community. You need to build the world you want to live in. Um, so when Donald Trump got elected, that was a real wake-up call for me that this, this, this 
thing that I always kind of enjoyed watching from the outside being politics. Um, it, it's not a game. You know, it, I, I truly did not believe he was going to get elected. And I look back and I marvel at my my naivete back then because I, I, I truly did not think he was going to win. And and for, for me to see that in my lifetime, it was it was really concerning and quite scary. Um, so we uh, decided to commit right then to, to sort of being a little bit more involved and not taking anything for granted. Um, so it, it, it became it became this thing that we were going to do. We we're going to be more involved. And the more people you meet. And the more stories we hear, especially with the detention center being one of those really motivating factors for me, um, just hearing about the injustices that were there that were covered in the news, but then not really talked about. You know, the, the, the average person in Berks County, they didn't have a strong opinion about the detention center. And it was like, well, we need to talk about this. We need to we need more people to know that that bad things are happening right here. And and so we we really tried to work hard on that. And. It is just, you know, one issue after another where you come to realize that the world has um, its own motivating factors. And if you let them kind of happen, it's going to go to the moneyed interest. It's going to go to the people who have power and trying to consolidate power. So we took and then I was at this point, I was a part of Indivisible Burks, which became Burke Stands Up. And we took a really bottom up approach. You know, it was government for the people, by the people, of the people. It was very much, you know, we need to reassert ourselves a bit here because it's really easy for power to, 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 you know, really tighten its grip on the, on the rest of the world. So we tried to uh, push back against moneyed interest and corporate interest and, and really try and rebuild our community based government is what it came down to. And so when, when we're talking about community based government, how, how is it that uh, as um, and this is kind of how you've, how you've been as township commissioner, but, how is it that you will govern that is differently than uh, than Burks has been governed before in in this role of, of county commissioner? Yeah, since about uh, two, since the 2008 uh, session, we've had a majority Republican board in Berks County, and um, we had a, a an individual in the Democratic seat who didn't have any real traction or support, so wasn't really able to get much done. And you know, from from my perspective, I wish that they would have made more noise about some issues because they knew they were in the minority. They knew they didn't have two votes for certain issues. So they didn't talk about it nearly as much as I would have liked to see, you know, build a coalition, build some consensus, try and bring people, organize your other commissioners, um, try and bring some people along. So we're at a different place now in this election cycle where there are two incumbent Republicans and they are both going to be on the ballot in November, but myself and another democratic nominee for commissioner, uh, his name is Dante Santoni. We are in lockstep on union issues, and the unions in the Reading and Berks area have not really had much to fight for. They've had to fight against things. They haven't had much to fight for in, in decades. And I know there's a lot of excitement about around Dante Santoni and I. You know, he is a, a former state rep. He has a, a great issue, I mean, a great background for, for union issues. So the two of us are very much united in terms of the importance of labor, um, how crucial labor is to our area, not just in, in the public sector, but private sector trades as well. So we're talking about, you know, we need to rebuild Berks County Prison. And um, I'm adamant that that needs to be done with union labor, because that way we have better accountability, um, better quality of work, um, not imputing. There's loads of private contractors out there who probably do great work, but I want the assurance of union workers building that building. Um, and, and again, it's one of those moral issues for me. I want to make sure that we're paying a prevailing wage I want to see Berks County with a responsible contractor ordinance because 
any work that's done in our area, we need to trust the quality of it. Um, another issue that PA Stands Up is really instrumental on is the Whole Home Repairs Act and, and getting that funding into the pockets of um, homeowners and making grants available for people who are living in buildings that need to be updated, but they're renters, so the landlord, there's always a disconnect between how do you get the money to go to the people who live in the place that needs to be fixed up. So there's lots of ways that we're going to see you know, public money going towards improving our overall housing stock. And again, we need a responsible contractor ordinance so that we can trust the work that's being done. We don't want some shoddy fly-by-night contractor say, oh yeah, I put a new roof on there. Put up some two by fours, put some plywood across, throw some roofing roll over the top. Oh yeah, done. You're good to go. Like we need actual people that we can trust are doing work the right way. Um, and the city of Reading has a responsible contractor ordinance, which the people who are coming into Reading to do work on our buildings, they know that they need to be following the, the right process. Berks County does not have that. So the work that's done outside of Berks County, there are far less, you know, there's, there's not, there's less oversight. Um, there's less assurances that that work is going to be done the right way. So that's one of the reasons that we need to see responsible contractor ordinance done in Berks County so that the work we're doing, some of which is major large scale work, like the, the prison that Berks County needs. Um, there was just an incident where a, a driver crashed into a, a covered bridge or a historic bridge in Berks County, and it wasn't actually insured. They had fallen through the cracks. So now we got to work on getting this bridge repaired. We're gonna have to submit for reimbursement through an insurance company. I think the driver was insured. So the expectation is that it's not gonna be too complicated to recover the cost, but we need to make sure that these um, structures that we love. There's really great history in Berks County. That's one of the things that I love about it, that we have historical buildings, historical bridges, lovely roads to drive on, country drives. You know, you get a little bit of everything here. Um, but if we don't trust that the infrastructure that we're repairing is being done the right way, well, then we're going to end up throwing good money after bad 10, 15 years down the road. And we need to go back and kind of redo what wasn't done right the first time. And this is where all of that work, uh, all those boring zoning board meetings that you sat through all those boring. years ago. Boring. <laughs> oh, oh. You don't have any boring meetings. No. No, I love meetings. Not something that everybody else feels the same way about, but, but no, I didn't think they were boring at all. I love them because every, every application has its own nuance. And even at the supervisors, we still hear conditional use hearings. So if a building wants or a company wants to do something with land, they don't always end up at the zoning hearing board. Sometimes they have to come to the supervisors as well. Um, so we still get to have a sort of a say in it. Planning commissions are another great way to get involved with your local government. Um, but I, I think all those meetings are great personally. <laughs> and I mean, like, yeah, different, different strokes, different strokes for different folks. Sure, and, sure. and that's why, you know, that's why everyone's not, not running for commissioner. And well, that's why I'm apparently. really glad you are. And <laughs> I think that, you know, what you said earlier about how, how you're running uh, as as kind of a slate. You're you're not running alone. Like you're running with someone who's um, who's in in lockstep with you on on union issues and on other issues. And like that's that's how like that's how we win, right? Like right. that's how we make sure that uh, we're not just voting for people. We're not just knocking on doors for candidates. But after they get in, how mm. are we supporting them? How are we showing up to these? I'm going to say boring meetings because <laughs> y'all have what, what time are your, are your commissioners meetings? Cause here in so, Lehigh County, we got like, it's like sometimes five to like 8 PM, like no food yeah. in there. For, for the township, the township supervisors, we meet the second and fourth Monday of every month in the evenings. And it's, it's a, it's a stipend position. It's essentially a volunteer position. It's, we go and we talk to the township staff, but the staff are the ones doing the work in the building day to day. 
the county commissioners meet at 10 a.m. on Thursday mornings. And one of the things that I said in 2019 in that campaign was, well, the meeting should be held in the evenings, at least some of the time, so that regular working folk can get there. Um, and we should go around the county. We shouldn't always be in the county seat, which is Reading. Um, I, I love coming into Reading. I work in Reading every day at the library. It's great. You get to meet lots of people. You get to see the neighborhood. You get to, but not everybody wants to come into Reading at 10 a.m. on a Thursday to go to a commissioner's meeting to complain about something. Um, since then, lo and behold, the county commissioners now do run a circuit where uh, I think once every three months, they meet in the evenings, usually at a township building somewhere around the county, and they've gotten around the county a little bit so they can kind of cover the, the different regions. And uh, my team and I, we said, oh, yeah, great idea, guys. Really good thinking on that one because, you know, we know where that came from. That came from people agitating on the campaign trail four years ago. So um, it, it is great to be able to um, connect with your community, but you need to be available to your community. And obviously, everybody has their own schedule. Um, there's never a way that you can hold a meeting at a single time which will accommodate everybody, whether they work first shift, second shift, third shift. But um, I, I do think that it's important to be accessible. And that means going to events, too. I mean, that means being at community days. That means being at parades so that um, residents can see you out in the public and, and actually converse with you on a, on a regular basis. But it also means holding your meetings at least occasionally uh, at different times so that you can actually be available to people who can't make it into the city of Reading on Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. And that, that's just not that's just not convenient to lock it in. And the answer we got when we were when we were complaining about it was, well, that's when we work. That's when all the department heads work. That's when the employees work. So that's when we work. And I was like, well, OK, well, give them the morning off and give them calm time for the evening. You know, some other find a way to actually make this this governmental entity, this public meeting available to the public. You know, it, it's just and you got to be a little flexible. And that's what real and that's what real power is like. That's like real people power. When you talk about a community powered government, it's a government that listens to people, takes in their ideas and makes them reality. Um, and uh, what I'm looking forward to uh, when when you all get elected is that, you know, it's not something that we'll have to we'll have to fight for, you know, but we will still want people showing up to to these meetings to to support. We'll want people showing up to complain <laughs> every yeah. once in a while, no, you know, we might have people showing up to yell at you. Yeah. yeah. So Jess, uh, thanks so much for joining me. I, we've just had a, a great time. I know you're just on your lunch break, um, you know, sitting in the car, but uh, what uh, you talked about community events and, and being seen in the community. What, what events do you have uh, coming up that, that someone might see you at next? Um, so there's a whole schedule that has been put out by the Reading Eagle and I basically went down the list and said, okay, now we need to be at all of these, <laughs> but it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, townships have their own little festivals. Um, we have the, the Apple Lumpkin Festival just south of us, which is not in Berks County, unfortunately, but I love the name Apple Lumpkin. It's apples and pumpkins. That's in the fall. That's down in Adamstown, Northern Lancaster County, <laughs> some of which actually dips into Spring Township, Berks County, the, the Adamstown address. But then in our area, West Reading has a festival. I'm pretty sure like every weekend there's a festival over there. We've got out in the park. It's going to be um, a big party. This was the first official annual pride parade in Reading. We have had pride events for years, but this is the first year we had an actual parade. I think it's also the first year we had an arrest where somebody was protesting it. But um, there was a, a great turnout for the Pride Parade. That was a great time. There's going to be out in the park later. I think that's in September. There's community days all throughout Reading. So a lot of these townships have their own little festivals. Um, some notable ones up in Muhlenberg, they have them at, at Jim Dietrich Park, is called. Um, there's several throughout the summer there. The Oli Fair is always an annual 
uh, right of passage, if you will. Sometimes Democrats think they should get combat pay for going there because um, there's a very mixed crowd there in terms of political inclinations. But yeah, um, when you I, said I, someone was when you said someone was arrested at the at the pride parade, I was like, well, the the first pride was a riot, so I, right, I yes. guess they took that a little <laughs> too literally and and protested yeah. against it. Right. So there's going to be lots of events throughout the summer, and um, we're going to try and be at all of them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I hope to see you at several of those. The Appalumpkin uh, <laughs> Festival just sounds like something that can't be missed. Um, but I, I want to thank you again for, for coming on today, uh, for, for fighting uh, for, for all of us, for Pennsylvania that works for all of us, and more importantly, for Berks County that works for all of us. Um, for those of you listening, uh, if you enjoy our show, please rate, subscribe, and share it with your friends and your enemies. Uh, and then come back in two weeks uh, where Pele uh, will be able to talk more about uh, some of the, the pride of stuff that's going on in NEPA. And um, be sure to, to check out Jess Warriors. We'll have uh, his uh, Vote Yes for Jess. Uh, we'll have that VoteYesForJess.com. We'll have that in the show notes. And uh, uh, remember to wear a mask out there. Uh, Change all of your change all of your air filters a little more regularly, and uh, and yeah, only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> Bye. Take care.